0: Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And as finally the sun is out, you know, we sit there in, in California and in L.A., and happen of I lived in San Diego, we get something we call June Gloom, and it usually stays overcast every morning. And us people who live out here bitch about it, which makes all my friends back east tell me to shut up. Because the bottom line is this. We always have nice weather and recently, it's been the last year, it's just been amazing and my friends in Philadelphia have been getting pounded by rain and snow, so whenever I sit there and complain about the June gloom, they get very mad at me, so I've decided I'm going to stop complaining about that from now on because we are blessed to have great weather and my guest today, uh, we, I've been running him down for a while and he is pretty much, he is always working and he's going between here and New York, so he's... Gets all the kind of weather. My guest is Raphael Zavarch. How, <laughs> how you doing?
1: I was wondering how you are going to make that segue. That's great. <laughs> yeah.
0: You, A man for all weather. <laughs> you know, you work, I mean, you work all the time. I mean, you must be so happy because it's, I swear to God, you are on Facebook and everything. You always have something going on.
1: Oh, God. Um, I, 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 it seems like I do. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I'm a firm believer that if you're not working, that it's good to try and find things to actually do, or to create, or to kind of, um, you know, get involved in. And so, um, if I'm not being paid to work, then I'm actually sort of generating work, kind of creating some, sort of, you know, I don't know, doing doing other things, I guess.
0: Well, you you were pretty much born into this business. Tell my listeners a little about your your mom was involved on, on stage, and your father was an artist, and and you started acting at like on, at a very young age, right?
1: Yeah, I, uh, we lived in, I mean, lived in the Lower East Side of Manhattan, and um, I grew up in New York, and I, uh, there was a little show starting, a PBS show at the time, and they're looking for kids, called Sesame Street, so I started at four, essentially, uh, on the show, and I did a, a bunch of episodes, I, I um, uh, my mother was a costume designer, um, and my father was a, a writer, and a painter, and a playwright, my mother and father had met at Yale, and the, Drama department, and so I, I sort of grew up backstage a lot. Um, I you know, I, I didn't pursue the uh the Sesame Street thing, it just kind of found me. Um, uh, at the end of the day, my mother didn't really want to be a stage mother, because uh, she was so busy working, so um, we kind of moved on. But I, I ended up doing plays where you know she was working, um, at Tanglewood when I was at seven, and then at the L Rep when she was a professor there, um, and I. I just uh, started working really young. It just was just something that sort of felt um, like, a, like a community because I, I literally grew up backstage, so it felt like home.
0: Did it come very natural to you to be on stage? Because, you know, when you say four, I know it's it's Sesame Street, which is just, that's amazing. But um, when you're four, I mean, I guess it's probably just your imagination. Like when we're kids, you know, we always play, we, we play make-believe. So Was that what it was sort of like for you at a young age?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, if you remember Sesame Street, because I used to love Sesame Street, I remember watching it all the time. Afterwards, Um, uh, it just was kids essentially on the show interacting with the with the various folks. So I remember, I mean, I remember still to this day meeting Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch and um, uh, Mr. Hooper. For any of your listeners who remember him, um, he and I sat. uh, They put me on a donkey, and we took. Sorry, on a horse, and we talked between horses and donkeys, and (laughs) uh, I think Jim sang us a song on the steps. Um, So we just kind of interacted with the various characters, and it wasn't necessarily an acting thing, but it was really more of just kind of like a hang out, be a kid thing, right? Um, But in terms of being comfortable on stage, you know – Uh, I am comfortable on stage, but, you know, that's, um, uh, you know, sometimes more than others.
0: (laughs) Well, it's 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 yeah, because it's so when you start that young. But now as you're getting older and you said it was more like, as you said, a community for you because your family was around in the business. So that's what you grew up around. But what at what age did you sit there and really say, okay, you know what? I'm going to do this for my career. Cause you know, we were involved in something when you're younger, but at what age did you sit there and know that I'm going to be an actor? That's, that's what I'm doing. I'm not doing anything else. I want to act.
1: Yeah. So I I was about 12 and a half and, uh, we were moving back from, uh, New Haven back to New York city, uh, my mother and I, and, um, I decided I was going to be an actor. my dad, um, who had taken actors headshots, um, actually at some point, uh, took mine. And, uh, I called an actor a friend of my mother's and said what do I do and she said well here's my agent's phone so I called them and you know my mother had sort of said if I wanted to do it it was my decision but she just didn't want to be there to kind of hold my hand I, I, I guess you know her, her point of view and, and I appreciate this is that it's such a tough business that she didn't want to kind of um, uh, you know make me do it it, it was gonna to have to be my decision so um, uh, it was and and then uh, I guess it uh, uh, I, I called this agent and I said, Hey, so, um, uh, I'd like to meet with you. And, and they met with me because of this woman who was a contact. Um, uh, and I bicycled over to the east side to meet them. And, uh, they said, who was your representation before? And I said, um, what's that?
0: Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, they said, uh, well, do you sing? And I said, Oh yeah. And I'd been in a boys choir. Um, and, uh, in, in, in Connecticut, we'd, we'd, uh, traveled abroad. Um, and, uh, and I said, "Oh yeah," and I broke into the the, the boy Trouble part of Handel's Messiah. And um, I don't know; they just were <laughs> apparently kind of somewhat kind of as uh, uh, this little precocious kid, and they were sort of charmed by it. And so they 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 started sending me out uh, almost immediately, and I got something right away. And and I and I just started studying and working, and and um, uh, I I was uh, you know I, I, a bunch of I mean I had my first Broadway show at sixteen. Um, and what was and, that? And, and and uh, it was called The Curse of an Aching Heart with Faye Dunaway. And now what's uh, that but, like?
0: You're on Broadway, I mean, you're 16, you're on Broadway with a legend. I mean, most people would aspire to even get, a, you know, as a extra in Broadway. Now you're in it with, a le- I mean, at 16, how do you comprehend it?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, my mother had been a Broadway designer, a costume designer, so I had been around sort of the Broadway scene a lot. I'd been to a lot of her openings. Uh, it's not to say that it wasn't wildly amazing. Um, and, and I and I do have a memory of opening night and being terrified, standing in the wings going, like, how am I going to go out there? Right. <laughs> <laughs> if I run, will they notice, you know? Um, uh, but... You know, uh, it, 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 I mean, I think back in it now. Of course, being, you know, th- uh, knowing sixteen-year-olds and kind of going like well, that was kind of a thing, wasn't it? I've done it that eight, that old, but I, it was just sort of. I just was very determined, and and uh, uh, you know, public transportation in New York and my my school bus pass kind of got me to auditions, and um, um, and 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 I and I I just sort of somehow made it happen. I I, I don't exactly. I, I don't even exactly know how I did it at this point, but, but um, it was, I was very determined. There were, there were a whole bunch of us in New York also at the same time. I mean, Fisher Stevens was a, was a good friend of mine, um, and Craig Sheffer. And then, um, God, there was a whole bunch of us, um, uh, Patrick Breen, um, uh, Rob Morrow. Um, you know, uh, uh, the, the, it was funny because there was a bunch of New York actors, and you know, there, there, was the, there was the West Coast uh, actors. They were all the Brat Pack. And we were all in New York, and we called ourselves the Backpack Kids, <laughs> walking around the city, you know, with our backpacks, you know. Um, uh, so uh, yeah, there was just a, there was a sort of a, uh, a just a bunch of us, sort of young, kind of precocious New York kids who, who um, ultimately, you know, have kept working for years and years and years. So um, it, it's a, it's kind of a, kind of a cool thing.
0: Now, you, you get out of high school, you start getting into movies, and, and then you're in risky business.
1: Now, right. Now, I graduated high school and then went right to Chicago, basically, and to do risky business.
0: Now, that, that's one of those movies, because we're around the same age, and that was one of those movies that, you know, you know, I mean, I graduated high school in 82, and that was one of the movies that everyone was like, when we watched it, it was like the coolest thing. I always ask my guests this when they're in an iconic movie. Did, did you, when you were shooting it, did you think it would catch on or you guys just thought it was going to be just a, a, a fun movie? What did you think when you were shooting it?
1: had no idea. Um, you know, there were all those teen movies at the time and I did a bunch of them. I mean, my science project, there was one called My Man Adam, there was a, there was a whole, I mean, there was a class, there was a, just a ton of those movies of teen sex comedies, basically. And um, uh you know, uh, weirdly, a, a friend of mine named Brian Backer was cast as the lead in Risky Business. He had just played um, sort of a young Woody Allen in a, in a play in New York. And uh, I guess they fired him when they met this young actor named Tom something. Tom. Tom. <laughs> yeah. um, and and so anyway, th- and, and Tom was like just a little bit older than us. And he just come off of he'd done taps and then he'd done... Um, you know, uh, I guess there was an, uh, all the right moves. Yeah, oh. that's right, all the right moves. And then I think he, he came in and he sort of auditioned for this, and and he, um, you know, it, it was the star making part. It was this sort of incredible, obviously, collision of these two things. Uh, the, the movie, you know, we had a 30th anniversary of it uh, a couple years ago, and I and I watched it again. It's so sexy, God, um, and and it's a it's a really. It's a really fun movie. It's a really fun movie. It really holds up.
0: Well, you know what's funny about that movie? And I, I was one night I was sitting around and I, I needed something to watch, so I went through Netflix. and My friends had recommended me this movie called Dope, and it's uh, takes place in Compton or South Central, and it's about a kid who ends up selling you know drugs that way. But it was see, and he was trying to get in a nice school. It was very reminiscent of like. A hip hop version of Risky Business years later, and and a few people I said that to were like, "Oh my God, you are so right!" And so, because that movie still is relevant.
1: Wow, that's that's a trip. I mean, the, the, uh, it, it's it's sort of it's sort of a wild thing to be a part of it because it is sort of a, an iconic eighties movie. I, John uh, Abnet, who I saw at that um, at that reunion for the movie, he uh, he had said that he had hoped to make essentially this is a this is a pretty big statement but um i'll I'll tell you what he said um just that he had hoped to make a movie that was essentially the graduate for the 1980s and um you know if you go back and you think about some of the things that they kind of sort of spoke to about sort of the young entrepreneurs and all that kind of making money thing and, and 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 um you know obviously um you know tom cruise like Dustin hoffman sort of at the beginning of their career there there are some there are some uh uh, parallels that could be made. It's interesting. Um, it, it does kind of define that time in a, in a bit. And, uh, um, uh, you know, and, and, it, and you know, obviously, like, not, not all iconic movies hold up, but this one, I, I think it does, actually. So <laughs> it's kind of fun.
0: Now, after it came out, did you just start getting, I mean, you were already in movies, but did you start getting a lot more doors opening, like, hey, he was in Risky Business once it became a hit, that people, was it easier for you to get that part do you feel like it made a difference?
1: Um, it did for a while. And I had actually, it was an older, I, I did this movie called Vision Quest. Right, love
0: afterwards. it. I, I love that movie. I I had the soundtrack on cassette.
1: Oh, God. Yeah. Well, Madonna, right? That was that was the movie that launched. I mean, that was one of our first movies. They had found her at CBGB's on the Lower East Side. Um, I remember meeting her on the set. There's this, like five, she was like this little five foot something or other woman. And she walked up um, and she said, I said, hi, who are you? And she said, oh, my, my name is Madonna. I said, Madonna who? <laughs> she said, what's your last name? It's just no Madonna. Uh, anyway, they, they found her and brought her out for that movie, and, and that's a great – it is a great soundtrack. It really um, – uh, And, and uh, but anyway, there's a bunch of those other movies, and, and I did a few of them. Some of them did better than others. Um, obviously, uh, my science project did not do well in the, movie, in the theaters, but it did wildly well, I guess, in rentals afterwards. Um, it's got a big following. Um and there were a bunch of those movies that that I got to do which was really fun. Um you know the the, the um uh obviously being in a successful movie is helpful. Um but then you know things change, you know I changed, I physically changed. I was no longer playing that 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 kind of part anymore and 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 then you know other roles uh uh opened up for me. But um it was certainly a it was a it was a heck of a way to start.
0: Now as you were doing that the the movies were you also trying to get back on stage because it seems like you know that was you know it's, you really love the stage were you, were you did you have time or were you just so busy that you really couldn't do the stage at the time
1: no I, being being on stage was really important to me um, I, I did uh, uh, well right before you received a production of Hamlet that Joe Papp directed to the public uh, that Diane Venora played Hamlet um, and a lot of remarkable people were in it including Jamie Jamie Cromwell and Jamie Sheridan and, and Jimmy Smiths and, um, uh, and, and uh, John Goodman and some really cool folks and um, uh, and then uh, I, I did, um, uh, I, I mean, I've done five plays on Broadway, and, and I, the last one I did was in 2000, but, but I, I've, tr- I've tried to do a, a whole bunch of theater. I've had, you know, my kids are, um, uh, are now just old enough where I'm, I'm hoping where I can go back and do some more theater. That's, that's, my, that's, my, that's my hope and my plan anyway. Uh, they're, they're teenagers now, so I, can, so I feel like I can go back and do some theater again. So <laughs>
0: that's good. So, so now when you were doing these movies, were you living in New York still, or, or did, had you ventured to L.A. already?
1: Um, I went back and forth uh, between both. I, I've lived in L.A. Uh, pretty much, you know, uh, mostly, uh, primarily for the past uh, 17 years or so, um, but uh, I've been going back and forth, and, and I'm going to be going back to New York a bit more uh, in, the, in, the, in the coming months. That's my plan anyway.
0: You know, you're also in the Billionaires' Boys Club. Yeah, which that was uh, that was that was the movie where there, there was a bunch of you younger guys in that movie.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I mean Brian McNamara and Chivas. Um, uh, God, uh, there was a, I mean yeah, there's a, there a ton of us. That was another sort of uh, '80s kind of uh, iconic miniseries. I guess at the time it was one of the it was the most watched miniseries. Uh, except Roots, I guess, at that point. So <laughs> um, so it also sort of had defined kind of that, that period of time. It's kind of uh, thrilling to be a part of that.
0: Now, how fun must that have been? You're all good-looking, successful actors, and you're all working together. It must have just been like like a blast.
1: It was a blast. It was really a blast. And, the, the you know, all the suits that we got to wear and the, and, the, and the cars we got to drive, and it was all about L.A., and... It was really, really fun. Um, uh, it was a blast. Yeah.
0: So now, as you're acting, you're, you're getting a lot of different roles. Now, what are, as you said, you know, your looks started changing. What roles were you going from, and what did you start getting auditions for? And even to this day, what are the roles you get? Because I see you a lot on different TVs. You know, we'll talk about Murder in the First, and we play in you know, a detective. And you know, and you're it was great when you had the love interest last year because you know you you finally got a little when you looked under. I won't give it away to people if you haven't. Well, if you haven't seen the second season, tough shit. But when you actually pick up and look look for her, uh, look in her safe, and you find out what's going on. But now, what 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 kind of roles were you getting from when you were younger and moving on, and to this day, what kind of roles do you find? How has your career arced in the roles?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, look, I, I um, one of the harder things probably to do as an actor is that as you change physically, is to keep being able to sort of adapt to where you are physically. You know, um, uh, what I, um, you, you know, I, 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 you know, I was playing more kind of. The you know the young leading man or the or the kind of the you know the uh, handsome sidekick role I guess um, uh, when I was you know my twenties and then and then as I got older uh, you know it, it, what's been great is that I've been able to be a character actor and, and I'm and I'm thrilled about that so I, I get to play sort of a sort of a whole range of different uh, parts from you know, Jiminy Cricket on Once Upon a Time, um, or, you know, a, a crazy, you know, killer on, um, SVU, um, or Stalker or one of those, um, shows. Um, I, uh, you know, it, it's been really cool, obviously playing, uh, being uh, on the Stephen Boczko show, Murder in the First, um, just because uh, it's just such a, such a great bunch of actors and I just love, love the company. Um, but I mean, you know, look, I'm 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 so fortunate and so grateful for the opportunities I've had, and and for the for the fact that I've just been able to keep working, um, and and, and the fact that I've been able to adapt to the changes. I mean, things that worked for me in my twenties, you know, there's there's a there's a huge transition there, um, for all of us, uh, personally as well as and also just in your work where you have to begin to try and figure out, you know, where you're working from. And because the things that work for you in your twenties just they, they they just dry up and they kind of they they like a like some kind of a tail that you used to have they kind of just fall off and <laughs> you just you know um, it becomes a vestigial a vestigial sense of of who you were and so you have to kind of sort of redefine yourself so um, uh, that that's been the journey and I you know for, with the actors that I've that I've sort of coached or or, or taught. Um, and, and who are going through sometimes some of those transitions. Th- those are the difficult things, and, and, I, and I guess I can say is that I can speak from experience. I mean, I, you know, now over over four decades of kind of working, you know, there's a lot of different transitions I've gone through, and, and it, it's hard. it can be really bumpy, really bumpy, and, and how you kind of uh, come out of that then sort of defines where you end up on the other side.
0: Now, you said some actors you work with. How did you get into teaching and when did you start this and and how do you find your students? And I always say that, you know, I always love when I hear different actors who are working actors, who have had a good body of work. When they take the time and they teach and stuff like that, it's great because if I was saying, if I was going to take acting classes, I would want to take it from someone who has constantly worked instead of someone who maybe had a hit show 35 years ago. How did, how did you get into the business of teaching, and I mean, how long have you been doing this?
1: Yeah, um, it's been almost uh, nine years, something like that, um, and, and I've, I've been coaching actors, specifically actors for auditions or for, for movies or, or plays or things that they've been working uh, to, to go do. Um, and um, then sort of an outgrowth of that happened where I began... Uh, teaching, I I did not advertise. Um, uh, it was all word of mouth, and um, I've been working uh, out of a theater in Los Angeles, the Hudson Guild Theater, which is this really cool kind of New York-y vibe theater, and uh, and and we created this thing called the Lab, which is essentially a. Uh, a group of working actors, writers, directors, um, producers who really want to sort of explore material and, um, whether it be new material that they've written or old material or, you know, really work in a new direction, you know, in terms of kind of sort of define different kinds of roles for, for actors. Um, and, and, um, it's, it's been, uh, one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. Uh, it's been such, uh, uh an incredible community to be a part of. And, uh, you know, it's been essentially, as I say, all, all word of mouth. So we, we, have, um, uh, we have very few openings, and, and um, uh, I, I don't mean to tease this by talking about it, um, but it, it's been one of those things where, um, as you said, the, the people that have found it um, have seemingly sort of said uh, or, uh, that they too are, have a preference to work with a, someone who's actually walking walking in rooms like they are. I'm auditioning just like they are. I'm on sets um, and, and being able to bring stories back from those sets um and working with various directors and 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 it's been sort of more sort of first-hand experience as opposed to something out of a textbook or kind of a uh theory um you know i i I mean i've studied a a tremendous amount of technique uh younger in my career um but you know i've also spent a tremendous amount of time having to kind of unlearn a lot of technique um just so i could actually sort of um (laughs) make it work right so um uh the 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 lab has been an amazing an amazing place to um uh really commune with other people who are uh, like-minded and really care about the work
0: have you ever had a student came in who just just the talent just blew you away like you were just like oh my god like this person is has all the skills and is going to do well
1: oh yeah i mean multiple times and 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 it's so thrilling when they do um and you know, I mean, because everyone in the lab is essentially already a working actor um, uh, or, or an experienced person, they're, they're not beginners, um, that there's some pretty dazzling folks. And, and there's been a lot of work that's been generated out of that theater companies and movies and, and series and things that people have sort of created out of this community. Um, but it, it, it it's, so, uh, uh, it's so exciting to see someone kind of really kind of um, just bring it, you know, if they've got game, it's just so exciting. And, and and what I have tried to do is just try and sort of be there to kind of encourage whatever I can, in terms of um, help, you know, give whatever advice and or you know, hopefully share some of my experience. Um, you know, you you want for your students to be able to hopefully you know shortcut through some of the mistakes that you've made. I mean, people have to make their own mistakes, but. You know if there's anything that I can do to help kind of shortcut through mistakes um, or you know if they get get into a uh, which way do I go which one do I do what do I what you know I, I'm I am I try to be uh, counsel in that regard um, um, like I said it's been it's been so uh, rewarding and and it's been uh, it's made me so happy to have uh, this community and, and do that work
0: now murder in the first the, the third season is starting is it this month it's starting I have it set on my DVR because I watched the show. How yeah, did,
1: but actually, starting Sunday. I mean, it's Sunday night, um, uh, which is uh, wait. Did they they moved it? Yeah, they moved it from Monday to Sunday, so we've got a great lead-in of the last ship, um, uh, which is cool. And 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 Sunday night might be a better night actually for us. It's at nine o'clock on Sunday night. Um, but you know, the neat thing about this show, and obviously the design uh, of this show, is that it is a bin show, right? So um, a lot of the a lot of people that I know that watch the show find it either after the third or fourth show because they want to watch a whole bunch together at the same time or they found it on Hulu and, and binged it that way. You know, it's one case over the whole season and it kind of takes you through various twists and turns until you kind of get, um, you know, to the uh, final, that final hour. Um, and it and it seems to have found a, a wonderful audience. It, it, its numbers uh, have continued to grow and grow. And, um, you know, Stephen Bochco, uh, arguably the man who kind of defined... Uh, define the, the medium uh, in regards to, you know, procedural uh, television uh, as relates to police and cops and, you know, with NYPD Blue and Hill Street Blues and, and all the things that he's sort of done. I mean, I think I read somewhere that he was actually a writer on Perry Mason. It's just unbelievable. He he was, you know, in the 80s, the king of television. I think he had a hundred million dollar deal at the time. Wow. Um, you know, he, he was just sort of Remarkable what he has done, and to sort of be working with someone who's such a legend, and and to have his sort of expertise and skill and and uh, sort of steady hand, it has been uh, incredible. So, so thrilling to be uh, working with him.
0: Well, when you first uh, auditioned for it, did you know it was Botchko connected? Did you know, or did you didn't know who was involved, and it was just looked like a good project? How did that first year go? Because I'll tell you, we that, it's one of those shows. What was amazing about Murder in the First is. It caught you, and we, we me and Joanna, have watched it since the beginning, it caught you with the trailers, the previews, because she's a big Rizzoli Allison fans and all those fans on that station. And when we watched the first few trailers, it was one of those things where we said, we have to watch this. It's like that's one of those automatically set the uh, DVR moments. Um, what Did you know he was involved in a project when you auditioned for it? Yeah,
1: he was in the room, um, uh, which was which was cool. I mean, I'd worked with him before. I'd, I'd done an NYPD Blue, and I'd done an LA Law, and I'd done something. Uh, so a show called Civil Wars, and um, uh, as as you know, a guest star. Um, but in this case, um, we uh, you know, um, uh, and I went in thinking that it was actually sort of this could be a small part, perhaps in the pilot. And um, uh, they wrote sort of wrote back after said, no, 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 this is actually this is actually sort of a this would be a one of the detectives that would stay with the show, and uh, and we were all sort of amazed uh, uh, and and thrilled, just thrilled. Um, and, and the fact that it shoots in L.A., um, you know, as many many actors or people who live in L.A. and work in L.A., it, you know, more often than not, there's there's most of the work is out as out of town. It's uh, most of the work is you know in other cities, <laughs> either north or east of here, like Atlanta, so um, or 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 Shreveport, um, so. Um, uh, the fact that she's in town is just fantastic um and and uh yeah anyway it, it's uh it's it's a it's a been a really really cool thing
0: what is it like as an actor actually just because the, the cast is so great what is it like when you go and all of you all of you, all of the cast except for lombardo has been working for it seems like ever you know what i mean it's like if it's uh, Kathleen Robertson was in Beverly Hills 90210 Steven Weber was in the first season it's been on everything what is that like as an actor when you sit there and you show up and you know that you're? Get, it's the big league so you have to know the show is going to do well
1: yeah I mean that's the thing that's been so cool about it is that you just sort of feel like everyone's an adult right everyone's been around everyone's just a seasoned professional and everyone brings their game you know and it just got such a it's like um, it it's just like you know when Richard Schiff was there, or um, you know, um, God, I mean, there's just been so many amazing actors who've come through. Um, uh, Jimmy, Jim Cromwell, and um, uh, you know, Curry Graham is so great. I, I mean, it, it just—it's—they're all essentially everyone's—you know—worked forever and will continue to work. They're all A players, um, and and it and you and you come to work, and you just feel like you know you're you're uh, you're in great co- you're, you're in a great company. Um, yeah.
0: Now, as as an actor, your role Mokes is just a really nice guy. The first season, just really. Do you like playing that, because you know you playing? I was it Criminal Minds, where you just you play a wing, You're a wingnut. I mean, you're <laughs> you're out there and you're great at it. Do you did? But did you like playing like? And you're you're a nice detective. You're one of those people that you know. As a watcher, as a viewer, you're saying, you know what? I I hope he like in the first season, I think it was the girl that you met and you were real nice to her. And it's like, I hope he hooks up with her. Cause he's a nice guy. Do you like playing that role sometimes? Yes. It's fun. I mean, you know, look, the,
1: the, the, the parts that are kind of the evil twisted parts are, are usually the the best parts. Uh, Lana Priya will tell you that on Once Upon a Time for sure. Um, they're, they're really, really fun, um, parts, uh, because they they twist and turn, um, or Robert Carlyle, you know, also once and they, they're just they're great parts. But but that said, um, uh, in a show like this, uh, playing you know a guy, particularly in terms of the writing that gave gave me in, in year two, with all that kind of you know falling down a rabbit hole kind of a thing, um, it, it it's uh, uh, it, it, it's yeah, it's it's really fun. It's 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 complex. He's not just a nice guy. He's obviously got lots of different. Um, Things that he's trying to sort of work through. Um, he's, he's he's divorced and he's a single dad, and and um, there's some 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 difficulties there in his life. But um, you know, again, obviously, what 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 Stephen has uh, clearly made a tremendous career of is is really, you know, writing characters that are kind of the everyman, um, kind of the you know cops or or or, uh, or you know people that you might not think you know much. Is going on at home, and he's able to kind of really kind of bring that complexity to that kind of the every the everyday person, as it were. Um, not the not not no, not people who are fancy, but people who are really just feel like the everyman. And and those parts are 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 are, uh, are great. There's got a lot of stuff, a lot of um, dimension to them just inherently.
0: Now your character. I mean, as I said, you know we got more emotions for last season from the first season. What's what's it looking like this season? I mean, what is? Can you uh, tell us what the plot is for this season, so the listeners know? Because I know every every season's been completely different. Last year touched on a very you know social issue when the with the shooting, which especially now since what happened last weekend, it touched on a very issue like that. And then the year before we also touch it. What is the what is the plot line for this year?
1: um there's uh there's there's a there's a shooting at the at the very beginning of this season i think that probably will also feel you know somewhat um uh familiar um i mean what 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 i think stephen has been doing is sort of taking the kind of rip from the headlines kind of approach to this um and there there there, uh, there are several cases that uh, kind of intertwine um, as it were an a b and a c story i guess you could say that kind of intertwine throughout the season and um, there's uh, lots of twists, and 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 there's there there are things that he's uh, been able to sort of take, as they say, out of the out of the news that I think make it seem very socially relevant. Um, I mean, as in last year with with the shooting, the school shooting at the at the very beginning of the episode, it was tough. It was really tough to watch, tough to shoot, um, as to film, I should say. Um, and um, but but wildly uh, current and, and relevant. So I, I think he's you will see more of that. I'm not sure how much I'm supposed to say. So okay, no problem. I'm, I'm sort of, sort of kind of being in, uh, unspecific in terms of everything. But I, I know I'm supposed to sort of, uh, uh, I, I you know, I'm certain there's probably more in trailers. There's a shooting. I,
0: that's, all, that's all we need to know. Now, now, do you know the whole, like, what, before the season starts, do you know the whole season where it's going to go? Or are you learning each week as you shoot an episode?
1: Yeah, we don't know. I mean, we all kind of, like, you know, run for the next episode. Like, what, what, who, what, what? You know, <laughs> it's it's uh, and invariably episode 10 is always, like, people can't literally rip it open fast enough because we're always so excited to see what the killer is.
0: Now, I know you also do co- the, some of the conventions. I have, yeah. Now, when did that start? Cause I know you were on episodes of Star Trek years ago. Is that how that whole thing started? And what was your experience like? It was Voyager, right? You were on Voyager?
1: I was... Um, no. Let's see. I was, in, I was in Star Trek Voyager. That's right. And then I did uh, a, a whole bunch of work with uh, in video games, uh, particularly a couple of video games that I guess are are kind of iconic video games. One is called Mass Effect, and one is called Knights of the Old Republic. And um, Mass Effect, and this is, I mean, I'm, I am while I am not a gamer, um, I've been told, and I have found out, I mean, I've learned that essentially that Mass Effect, which um, we did 1, 2, and 3, um, is kind of the Star Wars of, um, uh, of the video game uh, world, as it were, in terms of kind of how it changed and shifted and kind of really created a new paradigm um with kind of the role playing that it did. Uh but I was a part of that universe um with Mass Effect and uh the Star Trek and then and then finally with Once Upon a Time. So um the, those shows seemed to sort of play to the uh convention um audience as it were. And um uh I, I got on the circuit a bit uh, for a couple of years. Um, you know, really sort of going around the world meeting people, which
0: was, which is, certainly uh, an interesting experience. Well, I've heard Star Trek fans. I mean, they're, they're wonderful, fanatical, but wonderful. I mean, what is your interaction with them when you come in and they know you've been on Voyager? They, they sit there and are they just like, you're, we're not worthy, that kind of thing. Or how is their reaction to someone who's been on a show they've watched?
1: You know, it's, it's always sweet. I mean, I, I, uh, what I've done is, um, uh, it's just an opportunity to meet someone and shake their hand and, and um, you know and chat with them a little bit. Um, <clears throat> I, I also uh, run a nonprofit, uh, uh, an environmental nonprofit that the um uh a part of. And, and um, um, what, I, what I finally did was um, over the past several years is, is the money, all the money I raised went back to, to Greenwich, um, which is this nonprofit and. Um, so it was an opportunity to meet fans and, and travel around the country and, and then also then an opportunity to kind of do some good uh, giving back to, you know, trying to sort of help, uh, help with our environmental challenges.
0: Now tell me more about the nonprofit, how, how, why you decided to get started and when you started it and how it's grown and how you've used your influence and your friends to make it, you know, to get the word out
1: yeah so um uh Greenwish is essentially um, a nonprofit that uh, raises money for multiple other nonprofits that are all local and are all you know in communities where chapters are started so um as opposed to helping one, you're helping five nonprofits and invariably they're all you know um by uh, by definition small local nonprofits that are doing sort of shovel-ready work in the community. So if you um, are, have concerns about the environment and you really want to sort of try and figure out a way, place to, you know, give back or give time, um, you know, if you have time, you give money, if, if you can, give both. Um, but but this is a way that's been sort of essentially curated for you so that you know that the money goes directly back locally into your community and, and all with sort of an umbrella of green. Um, we have, uh, we started a chapter in LA and we now have chapters, um, around the country in, um, Lawrence, Kansas, in, uh, Kansas city, in St. Louis. Uh, we just opened one in, uh, Orange County. Um, we have, uh, two that are opening in Canada. Um, uh, and, and there, there are, we have, we have been able to essentially been able to design the nonprofit so that we can, for anyone who's committed or, or impassioned, they can actually, uh, uh, start their own chapter in the city where they are um, and with a, within with essentially a couple hundred dollars they can start their own chapter and then we give them all uh, all the support they need that's free banking um, from back of the west and um, we get um, you know uh, all the accounting taken care of insurance needs and We've got someone who works with them to help them start their chapter. And 90 cents in the dollar of what they raise all goes directly back into the community. The other money goes into just sort of helping us, you know, with with our uh, with some of the back-end uh, costs. But all the money goes directly where it's intended. I take no salary. No one involved takes any salaries. all volunteer bases. And, and the idea is really to try and do maximum good. Um, you know, there's so much need out there. And um, really, as a dad... It was really um, kind of with the birth of my, my daughter, just sort of looking around, going, "Wow, what do you, you know, what do you?" <laughs> when you become a parent, you you feel this extraordinary uh, um, uh, sense of responsibility to um, both take care of uh, of of her, in this case, Gracie, um, and, and then uh, also to really try and do what you can to try and help, you know, perhaps make the world a little bit better for for them, or or at least maybe not leave it as any worse than when you found it. And um, so this was an attempt to try and create, it's still somewhat unique in the nonprofit world to have a nonprofit that actually raises money for other nonprofits. Um, But that's that's what we've done, and we've um, uh, done really well with it. Um, You know, Ed Begley got involved, Rochelle Carson, his wife, um, got involved. They they were very excited about the idea of, uh, again, helping multiple nonprofits. and uh, you know we do we support earth air water sustainable education um, at, you know across the across the kind of the spectrum of the nonprofits that we that we support and then um, they change after every twenty four months or so so um, you know the, you know you know it isn't just sort of a, a monopoly for those for those nonprofits that we get new ones um, we've also been able to do a whole uh, get some grants and I've been able to create a bunch of. Um, uh, several films that have uh, one about the Los Angeles River, one about climate change. Um, uh, I'm working on one now about the work that each of these nonprofits is doing, um, and and uh, it's we've been uh, working with some teachers uh, who have put are putting together study guides to be able to actually provide teaching materials through all this media that we're creating, which will be available to them online and uh, be able to use you know for for courses of study for for school age kids.
0: How do you? Get I mean you you're always so busy. How do you keep the energy up, especially with two daughters? You know I mean it's just you seem to be on the go all the time. <laughs> I mean you're on a plane. I mean I okay I my I was for two years I was going back once a month to see my girlfriend before she moved out of here, and it gets you know it, it gets get a little exhausting. But it seems for you it's like you're on a plane every other week. These
1: days have been I've been going back and forth. Um, I'm I'm um, uh, I've been you know kind of. Uh, uh, my girlfriend is in New York, <clears throat> so I've been going back and forth to see her. Um, I'm um, really um, uh, I, I'm, I'm shooting. I'm actually in, in, in pre-production on a short film that I'm directing end of June here in LA, and uh, and then I'm finishing up Murder in the First here, um, and and then of course you know working on the nonprofit and and then these documentaries. So yeah, I mean I, 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 I like I said I guess at the beginning I I, I enjoy working. I I, I enjoy. Um, you know, being out there, being engaged. Sometimes it can be (laughs) right at the moment. It's a little bit much because there's just so much going on at once. But, um, I, and and you know I know you and I've tried to get sort of find a time to talk uh, so many times and my schedules changed. so it, I, I thank you for your patience. But it, 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 but took, it I, took a, it took a it, studio it's
0: closing not, down.
1: <laughs> Personally, you know it's really it's been genuinely like I, I've definitely been sort of a uh, sort of a moving target.
0: Now what's the short movie you're directing and what made you want to get down the road into directing? Because I know you've you've directed some projects. You know, well you directed On Bagley Street, which was what.
1: Right, that was um, that was a series that we um, that we that we sold to an online network, and um, it was a sort of a nine-part series uh, about Ed Bigley and the sort of the the uh, the road to him building his um, his uh, platinum lead home, which is actually just about to be uh, moments from being done. Um, now, um, I uh, directed several documentaries, and uh, that's been really fun. And I've I've been observing as a director on Murder in First this year, and and wanting to kind of uh, take that next step. I I. Uh, uh, a friend of mine, Robert Munich, uh, who was on my show, and then went off to do uh, uh, co-executive produced Empire, uh, and then uh, did this. Uh, I guess Dr. Dre's uh, new series for Apple TV, which is the first content that they're that they created. Um, uh, and and now he's doing his own show called Ice, which is about the LA diamond trade, which is going to be for uh, Directv. So he's show running that. In the midst of him doing all of that, I, I came to him with a. Um, sort of uh, inspired by true events story, and um, it's a story about Korean immigrants actually in Los Angeles. Uh, K Town is the largest enclave of uh, Koreans outside of Korea, and uh, it's a it's a sort of a interesting and complicated uh, immigrant story um, that's set in LA. Uh, and it's a it's a short film, but it's a it's a you know a, a, a very kind of dark family story, I guess I want to say. And um, uh, there's just some wonderful actors. The, the actor that we cast in the lead, his name is Joe So. He uh, happened to win the uh, Korean-American actor, wonderful actor, won the audience uh, uh, breakout act, uh, acting award last year at Sundance. Um, and his movie Spa, uh, Spa Night is going to be actually hitting the theaters in August. Uh, that was at Sundance. But um, well, all the actors are incredible. And, and uh, we're, we're shooting it uh, here in L.A. end of June.
0: Now, is it, do you feel very refreshing to be able to direct? I mean, is it something that, you know, I and mean, would, would you like to eventually move on more? I know you said you've been observing a murder in the first, but would you like to start directing TV episodes or movies and pull back from the acting a little bit, even though you've been acting for so long and it's, and it's your love? Would you like to start directing a little bit more and get, move it up next step where you could start directing, as I said, episodical and uh, movies?
1: Yeah, I mean, i I'd, I'd love to I'd love to direct an episode of television. Having done it for so many years, I, I certainly feel like i it would be it would be uh, it would be fun and exciting to try and do so. Um, I, you know, uh, there's a lot. You know, i'm 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 always i'm always humbled by you know how much I know and how much I don't know, really. Um, so uh, I'm I'm uh, uh, you know interested in in just continuing to sort of evolve my skills. Um, Doing this short film is is uh, you know uh, and producing it um, and and it, you know it's a it's a it's an it's an indie film so we're you know we're doing it um, with uh, with a lot of friends and favors but a, a lot of a lot of the crew from Murder in the First are actually coming and working with us which I'm just delighted about um, and uh, there's some really great people uh, who are who are coming coming you know just because friends and people that I know are sort of come to sort of do it uh, be, be a part of it and also because of Robert um, Robert Munich and and his work um, but uh, it, it's you know. Look, um, I, I, I'm interested in continually challenging myself and continuing to sort of um, learn new things. I, you know, I'm, I'm uh, I, I like to sort of say that I'm uh, sort of a student of this work and that I'm endlessly curious about kind of how how we do it and and what the what the gears are and how it moves and and what the what the what distinctions there are and facets um, that one can continue to learn about and and I. Um, you know, obviously, my mother, having grown up with my mother as a costume designer, and my, my stepfather was a, was a scenic artist, my, my father was a playwright. I mean, I, I grew up around um, these types of, um, you know, artists and, and these kind of conversations. So, it, in some senses, it seems very natural for me to kind of uh, maybe move to this next step. But I'm, I'm more than anything, I'm just really excited about it.
0: It must be. It must be something great because, as I said, it's, it's a new venture for you. I mean, it's something that you've done correctly stuff, but it's a new venture. And it's great have to the, have the many doors that could possibly open for you.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a it's it is literally a whole new thing. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited about it. Yeah.
0: Now, now, I want to talk about once upon a time because that that was uh, I, I, you have like you. Have, what, what's your Twitter again? I know you have like 80,000 followers and you have, a, you have a bunch of followers
1: yeah i mean it's yeah it's a it's a lot of followers um and 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 again that's partially uh because of once upon a time because of those conventions um because of the mass effect and the, and the voiceover audience um and 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 then uh maybe because people someone's called me uh recently on twitter they said that i was aware the where's waldo of actor that i just kept popping up everywhere so um uh, <laughs> it's just kind of funny um but i i uh uh, yeah, it's Raphael Sparge is my Twitter handle, um, fancy that and uh, I, uh, um, I you know I mean, Twitter and, and obviously you know, Instagram, I enjoy doing Instagram as well, it's because it's, you know I, I, it, the photography me, the photographer me enjoys doing that but, but I um, uh, you know, we as actors have become and you probably know this, Steve, is, is that uh, social media you know um, it's become incumbent on actors to sort of increase their social media following um, as much as they can and um, because obviously people who uh, hire you uh, tend to now uh, actually consider your social media uh, presence out there um, as relates to um, whether or not they hire you or not which is a shocking and terrible thing <laughs> considering
0: <laughs>
1: it's another thing you have to take on but but um, anyway I, I can be found on Twitter for sure and uh, and and, uh, and actually you know I, I sort of enjoy. It.
0: What do you think? I mean, as an actor, and as an actor with a lot of followers, and and I had a friend who was on a, a Disney show a while back, and he had to really watch what he tweets. What do you try to tweet, and what do you th- do? You think there's a responsibility to actors because they have big followings to to tweet their thoughts, to tweet? I mean, what do you think? Is there responsibilities for what you should tweet, or do you you think they should be able to tweet whatever they want? I mean, what is it? How does an actor with a lot of followers feel about that?
1: You know i think that's really dealer's choice it's kind of like where where you where you are um uh i guess in terms of what you want to do i mean obviously in my case you know i'm an actor i'm a teacher um uh i'm i'm, I'm i've been directing these these documentaries i'm i'm uh, i'm running a nonprofit um i'm you know in, into and then i'm working in various different shows at, at various times you know for me sort of Getting into Twitter wars with people, or kind of, you know, kind of posting really incendiary kind of political things, particularly these days, because people are so kind of flipped out and incensed, whatever side of the aisle you're on, um, everyone's kind of <laughs> crazy these days. Um, I don't see how that's valuable. So I, I, honestly, I try and strike a middle road and um, uh, try and find a way to kind of communicate to folks um, without having to kind of uh, uh, get them nuts. Um, so that, that's that's kind of what I do.
0: Well, it's funny because you said how people are, you know, very on edge and all. And it's amazing. I always think that we still have five more months this. Like, you know, remember when we were younger, (laughs) it was like there was, you didn't see, I mean, this has been going on for like a year and a half and I'm sitting there going, okay, it's, and I I look and I go, wait, I have to go through a whole summer uh, and basically go through another birthday, go through Halloween and maybe we'll get a little peace by Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just—it's like, I mean, like, make it stop, please. I mean, it's just—it's it's, there's so many other things that we need to be focusing on, so many other issues that would be really good if we could sort of put, give a little more airtime to. But it's just—it's sort of, you know, all, all Trump all the time out there right now, and and, uh, and, I, and I'm I'm just so uh, I'm a, I'm exhausted by it. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to uh, November 7th uh, right. I can Couldn't come fast enough.
0: Now, now you've you've had a long career. You've been in a lot of uh, a lot of projects. How many times do you say you've gotten killed in a movie or TV show, and what are some of your favorites?
1: Oh my God, that's a funny question. Um, I uh, been killed. Um, uh, you know, there was a movie that I did years ago um, called Carnosaur that was actually a Roger Corman movie, and. Uh, <laughs> It did pretty well. Someone said that it was one of the higher grossing Roger Corman movies because it came out right when uh, Jurassic Park came out. And he, he had the sort of the, the genius or foresight or just downright luck to actually be releasing the other dinosaur movie at the time. Um, and so it made a ton of money for him. Um, it didn't make any money for us, but but we but it was uh, it was definitely kind of one of those kind of creepy cult classic movies, and I and I and I die a fiery death at the end of that, and that's that was really fun. And they went on to make a Carnosaur two and three, of course that I wasn't a part of, but but <laughs> that was kind of a fun one. And you can find that I don't know out there somewhere on the dial.
0: And, uh, and so what, what in, in this long career, what are some of your favorite places you've shot at too? Because I always say people, you know, my last guest was a violinist who talked about when she played in Italy. What are some of the best places where you've gone to do a project where you're like, man, I can't believe I'm getting paid to do this?
1: Yeah. I mean, look, um, I, I, anytime I get to walk on a set, I feel like I'm just, I, I'm so grateful. I'm, I don't ever take it for granted. There's not a day that I, that I, sort of think oh yeah it's all gonna work out i mean i you know i'm always um you know fighting my own anxieties um about making sure that everything's gonna be okay um and and trying to kind of uh uh you know (laughs) on any given day keep my head together um but i but i um you know in terms of the places that we get to go i mean there there are there are you know, working at the Kennedy Center was pretty thrilling. Um, with a 2,500 seat house, that was uh, pretty remarkable. Um, and, uh, and 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 uh, I was on a Broadway tour with a play um, called *Twilight of the Golds* that started here in L.A. And that was thrilling. Um, you know, anything on Broadway is just uh, takes your breath away, particularly a Broadway opening. Just, you know, the, 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 it is really you feel this this incredible whoosh of excitement about um, an experience like that. Um, you know, uh, working on Once Upon a Time has been thrilling just because of all the the, uh, the production values of the show and and how you know beautifully it's shot and and what the, the the detail they put into production. Um, I've loved that. Um, and um, gosh, um, I, I remember when I when I got to because I was a huge Star Trek fan. I was a huge Trekkie, and um, I, I mean I think I'd seen every episode of Star Trek, uh, the original one, you know, with Shatner and, and Nimoy, and um, I when I got in on Star Trek, I got to walk on the bridge. That was just literally like pee my pants. I was so excited. Um, so <laughs> um, all of those things are um, kind of uh, you know it it it's uh, uh, th- th- there've been some pretty amazing experiences, and and I'm uh, like I said, I'm just so grateful for uh, what, what I've been able to see.
0: Now with Once Upon a Time, I'm sure do you have a lot of younger people recognize you now? Yeah. Now, yeah. what's what's that like to think that their parents? This must be a testament to your career. Their parents saw you in risky business, and now their children are recognizing you for another show. Do you ever look back and just really say, "God," you know? And we don't want to pat ourselves in the back, but do you ever think, "God, man, this has been a really great, amazing ride I've had."
1: You know, I don't think about it actually until you say something like that. I mean, I don't walk around with that, but I. But I mean, when you. It's true. I mean, I, I on any given day I don't think about that. But 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 I when I sit here and I have a conversation like this with you and kind of try to look back, it it is it, it it's um uh it, it's pretty astonishing. Um, it's pretty astonishing. I, I mean, I, you know, um, I, I I know so many remarkable uh, actors who you know don't necessarily get as many opportunities. And 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 I you know I, I'm I'm uh, uh, it, it is it is it's been an incredible ride. It's been an incredible ride.
0: Now now what's the uh, one of the craziest things people have done when they 've recognized you because you you get recognized because now do you get recognized a lot and how do you handle that
1: um i you know thankfully i don't like i still can uh, I can still travel around New york and and not feel like i can I, like, I still feel like i 've got a private life which i 'm really happy about um, I, I I'm not at that place where I feel like i i get um people are kind of overwhelm me um like I can go out in public you know I, I but th- like when I go to theater when I go to theater now in New York um in, in the theater district because there's so many tourists there um you know f- from out of town I, I and I feel like everyone's I, I feel a little bit more stared at but but I g- generally I've sort of been able to kind of just sort of um uh you know go along and, and I and I like that I I'm I'm really happy with that actually because I, I feel like I can still sort of be a person in the world I you know I for the people like you know the the, the real big stars in our business, um, that's got to be hard. Most people go to the store or go to Ralph's or <laughs> oh, I know or go to go to Rite Aid or you know just get what you need and kind of just you know go in and just be a just you know get around. It's got to be it's got to be hard.
0: Now, when you go to New York, do you enjoy going to the theater? And, and did you see Hamilton?
1: I did see Hamilton.
0: Okay, now how did you get a ticket? Because no one can get a ticket. I don't think uh, that, I don't. Obama uh, couldn't get a ticket. I don't think.
1: <laughs> but he, he went in previews. Apparently, they had to close the street off. They told me. Um, I actually. Uh, so w- this is a cool. I mean, this is a cool story. One of my students uh, had uh, uh, called me and said, "Do you want to go see Hamilton's Hamilton?" And I, and I was like, "Yeah." This was big. it had just opened basically, and had gotten this great review. He had done a, a, a play, a musical, in that theater, and he literally knew the house manager. And so we got walked in, um, literally I mean we had standing room, but we got to see it. Um and uh it was, you know, and I guess you hear this from everyone, but you know, as as much hype you know, sometimes you get at a show and there's so much hype, right? It's like, oh my god. And then you see it and you're like, Really? It wasn't that good. This was so much better. <laughs> I mean it was it was it, it's lived up to the I mean it's so mind bogglingly Thrilling and exciting when you get to see it. It's going to be playing forever. Um, it, it's it, you know it's going to have a zillion national tours. It's going to be playing in every city in the country for the next ten years. It's going to be like Lion King. I mean it's just going to be. I mean Hamilton will be for forever, and uh, and and we'll all get to see it. Um, it. It's it's just a great show, and 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 uh, and and really sort of changed changed all the rules uh, in terms of what we would imagine with a with a with a musical. Um, and, and, uh, anyway, I, 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 know it's impossible to get tickets now. Um, and, and Emmanuel is about to leave. Um, uh, I, I, I loved it.
0: When you watch something like that, I mean, do you sit there and go, man, you know, because you've been involved and in your family, have been involved in theater forever. Do you ever sit there and go, man, you know what? This is a great community. I mean, cause you know, in LA people overlook theater somewhat, but back there, do you ever just go, God, you know what? There's no place like Broadway.
1: Yeah, no. It's a it's a really it's a really wonderful community. I mean, there's the people that all those sort of the gypsies who go back and forth in all the musicals, and and that's a really tight knit group, um, and and that's a fun uh, a, a really fun group. Um, the actors in New York. I mean, they're less are less plays being done on Broadway, and and really the, the bigger you know just because of the uh, because of the cost of, of the tickets, and and you know obviously the 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 rents for the theaters the Broadway theaters they have to sort of do sort of glitzier shows to sort of you know have higher higher per ticket prices but you know the the in New York now the off-Broadway theater scene is 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 really exciting and there's a lot of really uh thrilling work going on there um and 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 occasionally you know a show or two gets through to Broadway that's fantastic a play but um you know, the theater scene in New York is, uh, I, I, I've missed it terribly, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm
0: very excited to go back to it. Could we have a few minutes left? First, I want to tell you, uh, your cousin, Nate Eaton, gives you regards.
1: Oh, my God. That's so lovely. Where is he?
0: He is in Medford. I said, we went to college. He was, he was yes, I'll tell you a quick story before we go. He was a freshman, and I was a junior, and we knew him, and me and my roommate, my roommate was from Hong Kong, ran for student government, and my roommate, 25 people made the student senate, and we brought Nate on the ticket. No one knew Nate, but my roommate took first. I took fourth, and I think Nate came in eleventh off the strength of the ballot. <laughs> so I've, not, I've known him ever since. But he, when I said I was talking to him, And he told me that you were his cousin, and he wanted to tell me to tell you hi. Oh,
1: that's so great! Thank you. Sending my very
0: best. I will. And uh, so, okay, we're gonna wrap up soon. Well, just give the people your 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 info again where they can get in touch with you.
1: Yeah. So it's 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 uh. Raphael, well, my name, Rafael Sparge, uh, uh, sorry, Raphael Sparge on Twitter, um, and it's verified. And you can also find me on my fan site on on Facebook as well.
0: Well, I want to thank you for coming on. And people, well, just know, people follow me also on Twitter. Follow me uh, at CooperTalk. That's at CooperTalk. Go to my website, coopertalk.net. I have uh, 520 episodes up there. You can email wow. me yeah I've but been, I've been I've been getting a lot of people and uh, a lot a lot of character actors which is you guys are my favorites but don't wow. you didn't hear that musicians uh, but uh, email me at Cooper at cooper I'll, I'll always respond um, Facebook I have Cooper talk radio or you can just add me Steve Cooper my personal page um, also Instagram Cooper talk one I post a lot of pictures but there are more food pictures because as you know I had that health problem a few years ago And I wrote the cookbook, so you can go to StopTheSalt.com and get the cookbook. It's 120 low-sodium recipes. They're easy to make. No pictures to intimidate you. No big, long list of ingredients. Just 120 recipes to make you eat healthy and enjoy your life, because we all have to do that. You can get it at BarnesandNoble.com, or you can get it at Amazon.com, but if you go to StopTheSalt.com, I make more money, and I will sign it for you guys and also my new thing is i'm on words with friends do you play words with friends oh no okay well i'm cooper talk one you gotta play this one i will play you guys i'm okay but what happens is i either play really good or some people just come in and beat my ass and i get frustrated so (laughs) don't forget people go check out rafael zavarge check him out on imdb and uh, yeah once again it's cooper talk uh cooper at coopertalk.net twitter is at coopertalk and yeah so come back next week we'll have a whole new bunch of guests my name is steve cooper i'm only as hip as my guests don't forget drink your water eat your vegetables take your vitamins and i will talk to you guys next week and have a wonderful weekend